0: Exodus chapter 3, beginning at verse number 16. Hallelujah, Jesus. Exodus 3 and verse number 16. Hallelujah. I read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And the word of the Lord says it so. This is the command of the Lord to Moses. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. Make no mistake, God sees exactly where you are. Sees exactly what it is that's transpiring in your life and is never taken by surprise. And I have said, I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt Unto the land of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Parasites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and all those other termites. Unto a land flowing. Mm. How many of you believe God wants to take you to a good place? Unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken to thy voice. And thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt. And ye shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us, and now let us go. We beseech thee three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I am sure, listen to what the Lord is saying, and I am sure that the king of Egypt, Will not let you go. No, nope, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. In other words, you are coming out. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when ye go, ye shall not go empty. In other words, not only are you coming out, but when you come out, you're coming out with substance. Hallelujah. Was that the last verse? And now. Amen. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. Oh God, help me in here. Not only are you coming out, I'm going to bless you. And I'm not going to bless you how you think. But I'm going to use the very enemies who held you. And I'm going to use them to bless you. And you ain't going to have to fight a fierce battle in order to win the spoils. You're going to ask them. (laughs) You're going to ask them And they're going to give it to you. And I like the way the King James says it. And you will plunder the Egyptians. Oh, God. My message title is really simple. My message is actually deeper than my title. My message title is simply drawn out. Drawn out. Hallelujah. If you ever study the life of Moses, you ever study his name, his name alone means drawn out. The thing I love about the story of Moses is that God draws him out only to prepare him to send him back in to draw others out. Amen, somebody. God is the one that's going to do the drawing, but he uses people like me and people like you to get the job done. Can we go to the Lord in prayer? Father, in Jesus' name, we give you praise, honor, and glory right now for your word. We thank you in advance, hallelujah, for what you're about to do in this place. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. And amen. Hallelujah. If you were here last Sunday, I'm going to do a quick recap. Hallelujah. Just so that we're all on the same page. But if you were here last Sunday, we talked a little bit about platforms. We talked a little bit about when God prepares a platform. And one of the things that we determined was that a platform is a place of heightened visibility. It is a place of heightened visibility. When God puts you On a platform, it's because he wants you to be seen. It's because he's displaying you. But understand that before you can be put in a heightened place of visibility for people to see you, God has to prepare you. Can I get a little more monitor up here? Hallelujah. God has to prepare you. Amen, somebody. And so we talked about hallelujah, and we use Moses as an an illustration of how God takes him to the wilderness, and the wilderness becomes that training ground. Amen? You know, we like the idea of reigning without training. (laughs) But God, hallelujah, will train you to reign. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? And so watch this. He's in the desert, and the Bible says that in the desert, hallelujah, he has an encounter with God. And then he comes back, but when he comes back, he comes back with power. We also use Jesus as an illustration of how God, right after his baptism, takes him into the wilderness, and that wilderness, hallelujah, also becomes training. And when he comes back, the Bible says he comes back in the power of the Spirit, and the fame of him goes out, hallelujah. In other words, after you've been tested, God can then trust you. And prepare a platform for you and heighten your visibility so that you can be seen. Can I ask you a question in here? Can God trust you with trouble? I know that we have a hard enough time, as it is, trusting God in the midst of our trouble, but let me ask you a question in here. Can God trust you with trouble? Hmm Watch this. So we determine no desert. No power. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We also determine, hallelujah, that God doesn't just take us to desert places where he separates us uh, from things like popular opinion to get us alone. Amen. But he also, hallelujah, takes us through dark places. I know we don't like that. I got about one amen when I said it. But he, he he takes us through dark places. Some of the best growing happens in dark places. We determined that last week. Some of the best growing happens... In dark places, hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, you have to grow in private before you grow in public. I said you have to grow in private before you grow in public, hallelujah. When you think about vegetation, hallelujah, you always talk about hallelujah, how vegetation needs light. But let me submit to you that that begins the growth process under the ground where nobody can see, hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It has to grow underground. In the unseen, before it can grow above the ground where it can be seen, are you hearing what I'm saying? Nothing manifests. That plant won't manifest if it does not grow first underneath. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Where it can't be seen, none nothing manifests on this earth without going through a dark place. Everybody in here, under the sound of my voice, has gone through nine months. Of darkness before they came into this world Amen. nothing manifests on the earth if it does not go through darkness first but some of the best growing happens in times of darkness i determined last week that god didn't save you because you were cute god didn't simply save you because you're special uh, or you're unique Uh, I taught you last week that God saved you on account of a crisis. I said God saved you on account of a crisis. You read this story carefully and the Bible says that the people of Israel cried out to God. And when they cried out to God, God heard them. And God called a deliverer. So listen to what God is saying. When my people cry out, I raise up deliverers. And so you are called, watch this, on account of a crisis. You are somebody's solution. God called you to meet or to become the answer to a problem that needs to be fixed. God is so purposeful, he calls you to do something. You're not anointed of God empowered by God for nothing I love the way Jesus put it the spirit of the Lord is upon me and hath anointed me to." and then he lists the things that he was anointed to do because when God calls you on account of a crisis he's going to let you know or give you his assignment but his assignment is also going to require his assistance Any mission from God is going to require an anointing from God in order for you to be able to do it. Are you in this place so far? And that's pretty much where we kind of left off, hallelujah, uh, last week. You can't do it in your own power. Moses tried to deliver an Israelite in his own strength by killing an Egyptian and ended up on the run. It don't work out too good when you do it in your own strength. But if you do it in his power, you will progress. Are you here? Watch this. So Moses, let's go to Moses is in the wilderness. To make a long story short, because I, say that, I said this last week, he marries, amen. Uh, he is serving uh, his father-in-law, whose name is Jethro. He's married Jethro's daughter, uh, whose name I believe is Zipporah. Poor child. <laughs> Let me help you in here. Don't call your daughter Zippura. Amen. Hallelujah. And if you're in here and your name is Zippura, I apologize in advance. I don't think I have anybody in here by that name, but I felt like I should throw that out there. Uh, the Bible says, watch this, that Moses now is tending sheep. Here is the man who was once a prince. In Egypt and now he is tending sheep and when you read the text or the narrative loosely you assume that he is content and even if a scholar can argue that he was content in doing so I will submit to you that just because he is content does not mean that the man is satisfied are you hearing what I'm saying because it's hard to continue it's hard to continue to do something when you know there's something else it's hard to, to go on day by day doing something that is good when inside you know there is greatness. Does anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. And there's, not, there's nothing wrong with doing something good as long as God has called you to do something good. But if you're in here under the sign of my voice and you sense greatness on the inside of you, good will make you miserable. I wonder if I have anybody in here who knows what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Uh, the Bible says he's not even tending his own flock. He's tending the flock of his stepfather. I mean, his father in law, I'm sorry. His father in law, Jethro. And, uh, you know, this teaches us a little something about his humility because here is somebody who grew up being served in the palace and now is serving. It it allows us to know that there's been a change in the man. That the man has recognized that he is not Egyptian anymore and that he has been taken from that world. Amen. And he's no longer of that world. Amen, somebody. And the fact, hallelujah, that he's serving someone else speaks of his meekness. The Bible says that Moses was the meekest man. Not just meek, but the meekest Hallelujah. And you you look at his life sometimes, and you see him kind of fly off the handle here and there, and you wonder. It didn't say perfect. It said meek. God, help me in here. Watch this. Hallelujah. And not only that, he proves the scripture to us because the Bible says this. You will never come into your own until you have taken care of that which belongs to another man first. You don't lead until you're led. And, and, and when it comes to greatness, Jesus himself said, the greatest among you will become the servant of all. In other words, Jesus was saying, hallelujah, I am the greatest because I did not come to be served, but to serve. And if you know anything about how God trains greatness, he does it by service. Amen? Amen. I, I, I told a couple of weeks ago, if you don't like to serve, you don't need an anointing. I said, if you don't like to serve, you don't need an anointing. Because an anointing, an empowerment from God separates you for service. And so if you're not going to serve, you don't need an empowerment from God to do it. Are you in this place so far? Hallelujah, Jesus. Watch this. It's interesting to me, hallelujah, that when God calls most people in the Bible, they are already busy doing something. Ooh, God. I said when God calls most people in the Bible to do something great, he calls them while they're already doing something. It allows me to know, hallelujah, that God is not in the business of calling people who are not doing anything. It just got quiet in this Holy Ghost filled church. I said, let me just, can I say it like I feel it? God does not like slothfulness. Look at your Bible, at the people that God calls. Let me give you some examples, hallelujah. When he calls some of these men, men like David, men like Moses, when he called them, they were working. They were tending sheep. Some of his disciples were fishing. Some of them were collecting taxes. Come on, somebody. Uh, When you talk about Elisha the prophet, he was plowing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They were all doing something. Gideon was threshing wheat. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Mm. In the parable of the talents, what does God do with the guy who didn't do anything with what God gave him? He took it away from him and then gave it to the busiest one did oh because you know our mentality our mentality is give it to the to the one that only brought four back because he don't have that much on his plate but god likes busy people he said give it to the one who brought back 10 because he knows how to get it done he knows how to make it happen watch this and in that story he equates slothfulness with wickedness the man didn't do anything wicked As far as we translate wickedness. But God said the fact that you didn't do nothing with what I gave you, that's wicked. Oh, it's quiet. Hallelujah, Jesus. Are you blessed in here? Can I just throw in a side note? This is a statement that I just want to throw in here. God will allow you to live on the level you settle for. I said, God would allow you to live on the level that you settle for. It's amazing to me when I think about this story, hallelujah, how the Bible says that the moment they cried out to God, God heard, spoke to Moses, and began the process of deliverance. But it took 400 years before they called out on God. And I'm just wondering sometimes, hallelujah, if somebody in here is just to cry away from doing more because watch this you're not going to get more if you don't ask for more and god will allow you to live on the level that you settle for the reality is that some people don't want more because they know what more will bring more costs are you in this place So let me take you back to the encounter very quickly. You know the story. Moses is in the wilderness. He's walking. And all of a sudden, he sees this bush that's on fire. Not only is the bush on fire, hallelujah, the Hebrew word for the word bush, the Sinai, suggests that it is a thorn bush. So it's not just a bush. It's a bush with thorns. Uh, Not only is it a bush with thorns, the bush is on fire. It's on fire. Uh, Nothing strange with a or uncommon with a bush catching fire in the desert under intense heat that's actually common but something made Moses stop when he saw it and it was the fact that the bush was not consumed the fire should have caused the bush to wither up and die and burn but it was on fire but it was not consumed Listen, and when he saw that it was on fire, but it wouldn't go down, he was intrigued. And the Bible says, I will now turn and see this great sight. This great sight. Can I make a statement in here? People who are consumed by their affliction are unimpressive to the world. I'm going to let that resonate. I'm gonna let that resonate people who are constantly consumed by their affliction are unimpressive to the world listen to what I'm saying Moses was not impressed because it was on fire that was common what impressed him was that it was on fire but it was not consumed if you are constantly being consumed by your inflection, by your affliction, you will remain unimpressive to the world. But if you are the type of person who can go through fire and not be consumed, hallelujah, you will get somebody's attention. Oh God, hallelujah. When you are the type of person, hallelujah, who can be in a fire and not consumed, in affliction, in trouble. But the effects of that trouble and the affliction is not doing anything to you, at least from what we can see, it will attract and draw people towards you. Oh, are you in this place? Hallelujah. He said, Watch this. Moses said, I will turn now to witness this great sight. People are attracted to winners. Those amens are so sporadic. I said people are attracted to winners. People will draw to other people who have this this ability to overcome trouble. Oh, God, help me in this place. Uh, Listen, it will cause people to turn heads. The way I handle... The trouble that comes my way will cause people to turn their heads. Not only will it cause people to turn their heads, it will invite a change of direction. The way I handle the trouble I go through will cause people, hallelujah, not just to be drawn to it, but to consider changing their direction. Moses looked, was walking away from it because for a bush to burn is common. It's common, hallelujah. Hallelujah. For most people to crumble under pressure, but it's uncommon to watch somebody go through hell and remain standing. And so he said, hold on a minute. I need to turn and get a closer look. Oh, God, help me. Are you in this place? Ah, God, hallelujah. Watch this. If your afflictions are affecting you, people will walk away from you. Because people are not attracted, hallelujah, to people who are always wearing their weariness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? People are attracted to people who can take a licking. And keep on taking. Oh, God, help me in this place, hallelujah. And the uneffectiveness of the fire will draw them to you. Are you in this place? Do I got, can I just say it like I feel it? I, I'm a big Rocky fan. I got anybody else? Come on, you're from Philly. Hallelujah. Big Rocky fan. Hallelujah. There's something about those movies, the Rocky movies, they make you want to jump out of my seat and start shadow boxing. Y'all going to leave me up here by myself. It's all right. Listen, listen, wait. there's just something about it. And watch this. You know, in one particular movie, I'm not going to get all into it, but in one particular movie, after going down a bunch of times, he goes to his corner and looks at the coach, at the trainer, and he says, I ain't going down no more. I ain't going down no more. And, and the whole fight shifts. Because of a decision that he made. You don't hear what I'm saying. I wish I had more people in here that could make up their mind. After being knocked down a few times by life. The vicissitudes of life. Hell or whatever the devil brings your way. That you can determine. At least use your faith. And say I ain't going down no more. This is the last time I'm going down. Hallelujah. And when he said those words. It's almost like he encouraged himself. And the fight shifts. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When he fights that Russian, he fights him in Russia. You remember that? And all of a sudden, in the middle of the fight somewhere, there's a shift. And the people from Russia start cheering for him. Because there's something that is attractive about an individual who refuses to go down. About an individual who refuses to quit. It draws people's attention. If you're in this place, shout glory. Can I submit to you that influence is not gained in the acquisition of a title, a degree, or any type of credential. While those things are good, hallelujah, those things do not guarantee influence. It doesn't even matter how articulate you speak or how stern you speak when you use your verbiage. That's not what's going to guarantee influence. Influence, hallelujah, is gained through your ability to endure. I'm not investing into anything that's not lasting. Oh God, hallelujah. Watch this. The way you live will grant you an audience God can speak to through you. The way you handle life's adversities will grant you an audience Come on, somebody, that God can speak to through you. When Moses came to the bush, when he turned and was drawn to the bush, God spoke. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God wants to speak through you, but you ain't showing nobody nothing. You don't hear what I'm saying in this place. Hallelujah. I said God wants to speak through you. Hallelujah. But your inability... To overcome trials. And your constant wearing of your weariness is not creating opportunities for effective ministry. Because people are watching you. From the moment you declare that you are a child of God, people are watching you. Hmm. They are not drawn to you because you have not given them anything to see outside of what's natural, outside of what's normal. The bush burning and being consumed, that would have been normal. But the fact that it was not consumed, that's not normal. That's what attracted them. That's what created an opportunity for God to speak through it. Are you in this place? That bush is a picture of Israel. Just in case you did not know. Wood oftentimes in the Bible or a bush is indicative of a group or humanity. The fire is the affliction that Israel is going through. Watch this. The thorns is the very fact that Israel is caught in a situation they cannot get out of. But they're not being consumed because God is in the bush. God have mercy in this place hallelujah and I wish I could stand up here and testify that I'm that strong and the reason I stand before you hallelujah healthy and whole today is because of my own strength and my own power but I will submit to you that the only reason I can go through hell's kitchen and stand up here is because God is in it There's something about an individual, hallelujah, who can stand in the fire and not go down. That moves people to want to investigate your life and create an opportunity for God to speak through you to them. Moses said, I will now turn and see this great sight. It ain't going to happen if you're not showing them something. Are you in this place? And the Bible says, hallelujah, that he speaks to Moses from the bush. And he calls his name twice. Moses. Moses. Hallelujah. And just in case you didn't know in the culture of that day, If you mention somebody's name twice, they refer to it as a repetition of endearment, a repetition of endearment. It it indicated that there was some affection or some friendship involved. In other words, Moses knew because of the culture of that day that the one who was addressing him was actually concerned for him, actually cared about him. The one who calls you cares for you. Are you hearing me in this place? And that's why Moses answered immediately, here am I. Here am I. Stay with me. I'm still building this thing. You know the story. I can't get into this for too long, hallelujah, because I won't quit. Uh, he's, he's, he starts to get closer to the, to the bush, and God speaks again and says, stop right there. Take off your shoes for the place that you are standing on is holy. Ground, hallelujah. In other words, don't just walk up in here wearing where you've been. (laughs) You can't just walk up into my presence, hallelujah, wearing where you've been. You can't just approach me, Moses, can I say it like I feel it? Wearing your sin like dirty shoes. Because watch this, up until now, I haven't prepared you for me. Because the only way you can come up in my presence is if I prepare you. I have to sanctify you. God, help me in here. Hallelujah. And, and listen, even then, because you know, the blood has already been shed, hallelujah, and we are sanctified and we're continually being sanctified and we have access to God, hallelujah. But don't make the mistake to assume you can just walk up in there any old kind of way. You have to be reverent when you approach God, even though you have accents, understanding that sin is a separator. It's a separator, hallelujah. And while you can get up in God's presence because of the grace of God and you have been granted access hallelujah if you just come in there hallelujah wearing where you've been from you're going to hinder your closeness to god are you hearing what i'm saying there will have to be a certain proximity between you and god and your ability to hear from him and fellowship with him oh god have mercy in this place are you blessed in here Moses was observing the bush burning, and instead of burning up, it burned on. Instead of burning up, it burned on, and on, look at somebody real quick and say, burn on. on. Moses chose to understand this thing that he's seeing a little further and decides to get even closer. Can I, can I submit to you that people are not watching you the most when things are going good in your life? People are watching you the most when things are not going good in your life. God, help me in here. Because they want to determine, hallelujah, if what you have or claim to have really works. You don't hear what I'm saying. So they wait for trouble. And when trouble is happening, God, help me in here. Hallelujah. Wow, well, when, when you hear at the workplace, hallelujah, that they're about to start laying off people and people start getting nervous and full of anxiety, they're gonna look at you to see how you react to the bad news, hallelujah, to determine if you have something that they don't have. God, help me in here, hallelujah. And so they'll wait for trouble. It kind of reminds me of when those three Hebrew boys get put in the furnace. Hallelujah. They didn't just put them in the furnace, turn their backs, and walk away. Uh, after a couple of minutes, they looked into the furnace because they wanted to see what kind of effect the fire was going to have on these Hebrew boys. They claimed that their God was well able to deliver them out of the fire. And so they looked in there, hallelujah, and said, hold on a second. Didn't we put three three guys in there? And they said, yes. And they said, so why do I see four? Why do I see four? Why do I see four? Why do I, not only that, this is Old Testament, they said, why do I see four? And the fourth one looks like the son of the living God. How does an old heathen king get a revelation of Jesus Christ? in the Old Testament lets us know even in the Old Testament God has a son. And the son was in the fire, and they were in the fire, and they were not consumed because God was in the fire. Can I help somebody in here? As long as God is in it, you will not burn. I said as long as God is in it, you will not burn. As long as God is in it, as long as you have God in you, you can go through hell's kitchen, hallelujah, and you're still going to make it. Oh, God, have mercy in this place. You know, you watch all these, uh, I was having a conversation with somebody just the other day about this. You, you, you ever wonder why these TV shows get such high ratings? TV shows that have to do with people who are survivalists because people love to watch other people overcome. It's attracting. God, help me here. Don't make me start naming some shows. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about. Amen, somebody. It's attractive. When you constantly wear your weariness, you'll begin to lose your viewers. When you constantly wear your weariness, you will begin to become unattractive. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, don't get me wrong. There will always be some people watching, but they won't be rooting for you. They'll be waiting to see you go down. God, help me in this place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They're watching, hallelujah, just to see if their prophecy over you comes to pass or how long... Uh, will it take before you throw in the towel and give up? Because after observing you for a little while, they determine, yeah, that one's not going to make it. And so they remain watching just to see that happen. Are you blessed in here? Mm. They'll eventually lose confidence in you. People will lose confidence in you. If you constantly wear your weariness. Some people, my God, go through trouble and it just shows on their face. They wear it. Some people wear it. Hallelujah. When they're happy, my God, they let you know they're happy. When they're going through it, they can't even get up from their chair and praise God. It's real easy, hallelujah, to spot an individual, hallelujah, who's moved by their emotions. You just got to watch them for a little while. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I will not invest into that person. Are you hearing me? I'm losing my amens. How can God position you on a great platform when you do not exude great perseverance? You keep declaring, I'ma make it, but you keep displaying that you can't even take it. That's why I talk, don't impress me. I wait for trouble. Trouble lets me know how strong you are, not what you say. A lot of people think faith is offensive only. And they talk a good game. But when the Bible talks about faith, it, it, it says that faith is a shield. And shield is not an offensive weapon. It's a defensive weapon. I know where your faith is at, at by your ability to withstand the fiery darts of the devil. By your ability to raise your shield. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A faith that's not tested. Is a faith that can't be trusted. Hallelujah. People will not invest into that which is not lasting. Things that hold no promise. There's no insurance. There's no security. Let me tell you, I'm not crazy about paying insurance for my house nor my car, <laughs> but I pay it knowing. That the corporation is reputable enough to provide the coverage. But I'm not investing into anything that's not going to provide any covering. God have mercy in this place. Can I say it like I feel it? When I do marriage counseling, I always talk to people, hallelujah, about major needs. Because all of us assume, God, I don't want to go down this road. All of us just assume, hallelujah, that the only thing you need for a long-lasting marriage is love. And as long as you got love, we're going to make it. Can I submit to you that everybody who's ever been divorced will testify that in the beginning there was love. That's why they got married in the first place. Let me tell you why it doesn't work. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because your definition of love comes from the big screen that is displayed by a bunch of people who are actors, which is another word for a hypocrite because they put something on the screen that they are not living out in their own personal lives. They're making you grab a Kleenex, hallelujah, but living like hell. You don't hear what I'm saying. Are you in this place? And so, watch this marriage. Can I help you in here, real quick? I'm gonna turn this into a marriage conference. Marriage is about needs being met. A man has major needs, a woman has major needs, and here's the kicker they're not the same. The problem with us is that we assume that what I need and what is a major need for me needs to be a major need for her, and is not. And you frustrate it, and you don't even know that you were made different. And so I, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. But let me just give you an example. Number one need of a woman is security. Security. And God uses the man to help meet that need in the woman's life. It's not something she wants. It is her number one major need security. I need to know that if I fall, you're going to catch me. God, help me in here need to know that you're going to provide for me not just financially because you could be providing financially and still cause your family to starve in another area i gotta leave that alone hallelujah but i'm listening you you want her to give you all of herself. But you don't even know how to take care of you. She's not going to say, lead me, and you can't even lead you. I better, I better get off of that. Hallelujah. Because I'm going to start some trouble in church today. I'm not investing into anything that's not going to provide covering. It's almost unfair that I didn't say the number one need of a man. Let me just throw it out there. It's honor. I said, it's honor. You want to kill a man? Make him feel less of a man. You don't have to hit a man in the head with a skillet. Ladies, you don't know your power. All you got to do is talk to him. The very fact that we come off as macho, hallelujah, is because we're just protecting the very fact that we're weak in our ego. And if you want to kill us, all you got to do is tell us we're not being the man. All right, that's today's marriage lesson. Hallelujah. I got. When I do counseling, I usually give four major needs of a man versus four major needs of a woman. Hallelujah. Usually, hallelujah, when a couple ends up in my office talking about we don't love each other no more. In about five minutes, I could tell somebody's needs are not being met. It don't even take long. And they think that when they come up to me and tell me, we don't love each other no more, that I'm just going to go, oh, man, that's it. That's the end of it. I look at them, and I go, so? Get it back. Get it back. Get it back. My Bible says you can get it back. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Jesus told the church, you lost your first love. Get it back. And then he said, not only am I telling you to get it, let me show you how to get it back. Remember, repent and redo. Remember from where you have fallen, repent, hallelujah, do something different and redo the things you did at first. Remember, repent, redo. We'll put the err. Right back in that marriage, hallelujah. Notice he doesn't even say anything about emotions. He didn't say work up emotions. Work up. He said work it. It'll work if you work it. And the minute you stop working at it, it will stop working for you. I got to get off of that. People tell me, what's the secret? Work. Work. It's like exercise. It's like exercise. The more you do it, the stronger and more attractive it becomes. The less you do it, the weaker and the less attractive it becomes. The more time you go without doing exercise, the less you want to do exercise. How in the world am I going to get back into this? That's what you call a first-class rabbit trail. I went way over on this side somewhere, and I don't even know if I can come back from it. But I feel from the Lord that somebody needed to hear that today. The devil is a liar. Get it back. I don't feel it. Who told you that love was about feelings? Oh, I can't get off. Hallelujah. Who told you that? Can I mess you up? Love is about 15% feelings and 85% commitment. Commitment, hallelujah, in sickness and in health, in the good and the bad, until death, death, the only thing that's going to separate me and you is when Jesus comes or I die. But until then, you stuck with me, baby. You better get used to it. I ain't going nowhere. Hey, shut, Thomas. Hey. I don't know about you, but I'm trying to be Christ-like. My Bible says that he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I ain't going nowhere. What God has joined together? Let no man, no devil, why am I saying this? Oh, God have mercy in here. Oh, some of you just need, oh God, hallelujah. Some of you just need to seek God. See, seek God for your marriage. You could be this far apart, but if you start seeking God. As you seek God, the closer yeah, I can't do it. I can't do it. I got some really good stuff in there. Oh, can't have mercy in here. wrong with us. We don't got no staying power anymore. Nobody said it was easy. One of the things I love, let me try to bring it back home. One of the things I love about that bush is that it's on fire. There is trouble. There is affliction. Standing there. Not going anywhere. Not giving up. Watch me burn. That's bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh. She's called woman because she came from the womb of mine. I'm about to run around this place. I don't hear Remember where she came from. I know man ain't got no womb, but in Genesis chapter 1 he did. I ain't going to, it's 1228. I got two minutes. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to close. Let's stand to our feet.